Warning. What you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. No, I did see the new Barbie trailer, though, and it looks insane. Yeah, I don't think it's going to... I'll probably see it for out of morbid curiosity, but I don't think it's going to be good. I don't know. I don't think it's going to fall into that category of, like, good or bad. I think it's I think just going to be a... I think it's just going to have a lot of self-aware jokes about, like, oh, what is food? We don't eat food in Toyland or, you know, like... You even had a joke about, like, Ken not knowing what is under his pants. You know, he's like, I don't know what's down there. Right. Well, that's so, like, that's my theory is that it's, like, they're in, like, playland. They're being played with by children. And then they're going to cross over into reality. And it'll be, like, a, a, I don't know, what's a movie like that? Like, Mannequin or right. goddamn, uh, what's that toy movie that Joe Dante made? Small soldiers. Yeah, that's it. It'll be small soldiers. Yeah, it's just going to be like and a lot of stuff. And it's going to shoot Barbie with a crossbow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's just going to be a lot of stuff where it's just like, uh, well, I have to go to I have to go to pay my rent. And I'm like, rent? What's that? It's like, where it's, you pay for your house, you know, that you live in. And it's like, oh, I just have like a beach house in Malibu, you know? Yeah. It just, it was just, it was just came out of the box. And it's going to be jokes like that. I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. It'll be funny, though. You'll get genuine belly laughs out of it because they'll just like they'll push and push and push and then you'll just break. You can't stand up against this. We'll see. It's too big. We'll see. (laughs) But that's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about 2001's Hardball starring Keanu Reeves as a gambling addict who teaches a group of inner city kids how to succeed. Yeah, he abuses them right into a some kind of a baseball championship. Uh yeah, that's what we're here for. No, Keith, what are we doing today? Uh, uh, Wait, bar. what is the show? What are why are we here? What is this place? There's a uh, this is not Primshood Cinema, but the that show does an incredible review of Hardball on YouTube. Oh really? Go check it Go out. Go check I it out. Fucking love that show. No, this is the Trash Heap podcast. We're out to prove once and for all there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions, and we're giving those discarded gems a second chance, unless. We're reacting critically to a brand new movie in which that makes this the return of knee-jerk reactions. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we're talking about John Wick 4, a small, obscure uh, movie. Yeah, a little independent movie with some juice behind it. Yeah, it's like critically panned and unseen by most. You know, and like you said, it's we're reacting to some sort of cultural phenomenon so we're taking a slight variation from our normal format however i will say like i think the john wick movies a lot of their inspirations come from movies we would talk about on this show Dude, you know my big take on this entire series this is some flat lighting away from being canon films oh yeah like it's right on the edge even with right. like the classical music and the renaissance art and like the uh, ancient cabal of assassins and all of this sort of high art presentation, this is almost direct-to-video kickboxer sequels. 
Oh, for sure. It's like it's taking those and giving them, you know, pu- putting more talented people behind the camera and being like, we're going to make that, but we're going to make it really, really, really like top tier, you know? Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's like innovative and fresh and exciting, but it is like a lot of those same people who would be making uh, Canon films. It's stunt people, it's action people, it's martial artists. Right, so yeah, I don't think it's completely out of line that we're talking about it on the show. And like you said, we occasionally do, you know, go out and talk about something that's either, you know, just like so big and crazy and we're so excited about it, we have to talk about it, or, you know, something that maybe was a hit, and it came out, but the dust is settled and we want to revisit it, you know, type of thing. This is also the fourth movie in the series. When was the last... Well, actually, I guess we're in the, the era of, like, big franchises. But yes. for an action franchise to go this long on a, a single paper-thin concept, almost unprecedented. And four movies in a relatively short amount of time, which, like you said, that is a lot more common than it used to be, you know? Also, for not just maintaining in quality, but increasing in quality. Oh, without okay. question. Because that's rem- now. I, I think I'll. You know, I might. I have some. When we get more into it, I talk about where exactly I'm going to put John Wick four in the ranking. But when I saw the first John Wick, I don't even think I saw it in the theater. I think it was the only one I didn't see in the theater, and I was like, "Oh, that was a good action movie. That was fun." You know, uh, not a lot. Go- you know, like you said, paper thin. You know, story, but like well executed. And then when the second one came out, I was just like, I did see it in the- go to see it in the theater, but even on my way there, I was just like, it's, I don't, is this going to be getting good? Is it just going to be more of the same? Yeah, how much you know? more can they really squeeze out of this? And then when I went and saw it, I was like, oh, wow, this is so much better. And all the little things they like hinted at about like this elaborate, like kind of like comic book assassin world, you know, uh, well, and that's it, was, right? It's the comic book presentation. Right. Like You keep expanding and going deeper into this world, and it becomes more colorful and vibrant and interesting. Right. And then you get to the third one, and I'm just like, okay, well, the second one was really good, they, they, but they've already expanded upon this world. They've already done this. They've already, the action scenes were already cranked up to 100. Like, I'm really excited for this movie, but there's no way it can be better than the second one. And then the third one's like exponentially better it's than the second one. Arguably the best. And I'll give you the one reason why. I'll tell yeah. you, I know exactly what the reason is. Martial arts super fights. Yes. The thing that the Expendables could not really deliver on, it sort of dipped its toes in the super fights between action stars expendable or uh, john wick three knocked it out of the park well it's not just the martial arts super fights which you're absolutely correct about you know and it's like because the first two i wouldn't even really call martial arts movies but i would call three and four absolutely martial arts movies without you know? question um it, but it's not just that it's kind of the whole they use a lot of the conceptual structures that they use in the best like hong kong action films which is like okay this is what we did last time. What can we do this time? That's not just solely like, okay, we'll add more explosions in the backgrounds. We'll have them crash a bigger car, but like, how can these action scenes tell stories? How can these action scenes, you know, build upon each other and we'll come up with those ideas, these set pieces and build our structure around that, you know? And that's what, and I think that's really what happened 
in in John Wick three, where it was just like, okay, like we already know what we're doing. This movie is just essentially going to be an entire one long extended chase. We'll tell our story throughout through these action scenes, and culminate it to you know something else, rather than just make it bigger. But it won't just be bigger, bigger in explosions. It'll be bigger in everything, bigger in scope, bigger in stakes. Bigger in you know story, bigger Agent. emotional range from our actors. Exactly. You know when I saw <laughs> they're feeling feelings in this one: happy, sad, yeah, mad. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's about it. <laughs> but yes, I mean, and then other characters who are like kind of like more minor characters, you know, kind of come to the forefront. You know, uh, Winston. You know, uh, uh, what's his face? Ian McShane's character. You know, he increasingly increasingly becomes a more important character throughout this series. So you do you're you're not just, and you get new people and stuff, whatever. But it's not like you're not just, even though it's essentially the same structure, you're not just repeating. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I would also say, like, kind of like two, three, and four, they kind of stand alone almost from the first one because the first one's a contained story. You know. Yeah, it easily could have ended there. Right, where 234 is a trilogy. You know, it's telling one massive, massive story. Oh, yeah, you couldn't just stop with two or three. You've got Um, to keep going. You've got to. Uh, Before we get into the big meat of John Wick Chapter 4... We're going to talk about Hardball. (laughs) Right, we're going to talk about... Which I did watch. I did watch the next day after seeing John Wick Chapter 4. That's hilarious. Now you're going through the entire Keanu library. Oh, yeah. He's got quite a a diverse back catalog, that's for sure. Anyways, we got a big announcement (laughs) that's related to sequels. That's true. So what, what is that? Big announcement, Elliot. Well, we I think we've kind of talked been mentioned a couple times on the show that we are going had something fun in the works and then we're going to be doing a live event. Uh, we're gonna be uh, hosting a movie screening of Alien Resurrection in Seattle. Uh, Keith, we wanna give some of the details about where, when, how that's gonna be. Yeah, we're teaming up with the the awesome folks at Belltown Film Society, uh, to host a screening of Alien Resurrection, one of our favorite sequels of all time. And that's going down Sunday, April 16th. Uh, Doors open at 8 p.m. And the movie is showing at 9 p.m. And it is at the Hereafter Theater, which is inside the Crocodile, the historic Crocodile Theater. It's got some kind of a a, uh, mysterious cabal movie house. Uh, deep within its bowels or something like that. I've never been, so this is kind of pretty pretty exciting for me. And I yeah, think I'm looking forward too. to it. Yeah, it's going to be I, a lot of fun. We'll put all the info uh, in our in, in our uh, you know episode description. There will be a link to like a, you can RSVP for it. Like you don't need to, um, but it just helps the the theater keep track of like who's coming and whatnot. Yeah, rendezvous, see vous play. Yeah, because, it's like uh, you, it'll also tell us uh, if this is a good and cool event that they'll want to do again so the more people that rsvp the more uh, opportunities we'll have to do this again absolutely and it's like this is kind of like a bar theater you know it's like so you kind of you come in like the movie you can watch that but also you can get drinks and you know food and hang out it's it should be a fun time they pop the popcorn in a in a pot full of vodka so yeah so you know those are the vibes yeah so come (laughs) hang out with us at sunday april 16th and uh, watch alien resurrection on uh, Orthodox Easter. 
Is that or oh, that's Orthodox Easter? I was like, Easter yeah, not exists on whatever the other Easter is. Well, that's yeah. This is this is the good one, Orthodox. <laughs> yeah. And it's I mean, and it's also funny too because like choosing Alien Resurrection for this was kind of completely coincidental. Yeah, it kind of was. It wasn't like oh, this is gonna be this is v- vaguely related to a religious holiday about resurrection. This is this is all just whoops. <laughs> here we but go. Now it has us thinking in deeper ways about uh, the the you know religious undertones of alien resurrection, the cloning process, being born again. Uh, Absolutely, the transference of DNA and crossbreeding humans and aliens, and all of these sort of miracles of life. Anyway, come hang yep. out at the movies with us. We'll see you there. There's going to be uh, raffles, uh, giveaways, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. We'll be sharing all the details leading up to it, so make sure you follow us on Instagram, at Trash Heat Pod, and uh, also go follow uh, Belltown Film Society, because they show all kinds of cool movies. Absolutely, yeah. There's uh, the real, some real cool guys running it, and it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, absolutely. This should be a great time. Speaking of great times at the movies... Let's get back to John Wick. Yeah, I saw John Wick earlier this week, and I was pretty lukewarm on it, to be honest. Like, I, I had a good time watching the previous John Wick. I did not see it in theaters, but I still loved the crap out of it. I loved all the guest martial artists and the super fights and the fact that there's the John Wick fan club. I, that was amusing to me, to like, to no end. And uh, I thought it was great. So I was like, you know, I'm sure this will be plenty entertaining and i can't wait to see uh donnie yen i knew donnie yen was going to be showing up so i was excited for that and i was also excited to see how they sort of bring the whole goddamn thing to a close and did you just say you're you were lukewarm on this installment well in terms of my expectations like going into the theater gotcha okay see that's see that's kind of a, almost a reverse thing for me like because like i just said when I went and saw the second one, I was like, oh, this is just not, this is just going to be more of the same. But then I was like blown away. Went to see the third one. I was like, well, how could it be better than the second one? They've already like raised the bar so high. And then I was like, oh my God, this is like twice as good. So this one, I'm like going in with like pretty high expectations. And I will say it's not my favorite John Wick movie, but damn, is it really good. Go on. Oh, I was just gonna say. <laughs> I thought you might. I thought you might have, have something to say about it, say about that too. Um, yeah, I would. Right now, I'd put this right behind three, but it is climbing. Like I like when I left. I have a couple. I would say I have more. Like kind of. I don't even want to say issues, but just kind of things that I wasn't crazy about in this one than I than I have in two and three. But those are mattering less to me as my time away from the theater has passed my my love of it is going up and also like like i said i went into this one with the highest expectations where with the other ones i went into them with like virtually no expectations you know yeah beyond the first movie i i never had a perception of this series beyond we're gonna hear some spooky cryptic exposition dumps and maybe some latin in between action sequences yeah and that's it i never had any sort of misconceptions beyond that i i knew exactly what it was always going to be and i think i always had my expectations set properly 
In fact, that that exposition is actually some of the most fun, like bullshit you can hear in any movie. Just them talking about like how all of this shit works and the old ways and the rules and the high table that controls everything and the shifting of power and right. the legend of all these fucking assassins. Yeah. In fact, like one of my, so- my favorite moments was uh, just sort of having the realization in John Wick four as uh, uh, Bill Skarsgård and Ian McShane and Lawrence Fishburne. All of them just exist in this movie to stand around and say, weird shit like they'll walk into a room and they'll say there comes a time in a man's life when he either becomes the mustard or the roadmap which will you be you know and it doesn't make any goddamn sense but it's fun to listen to everyone in this in these movies speaks in james bond villain speeches (laughs) but they're like the best like if you like cherry pick the best parts of every james bond greatest hits and then like it's made a super cut and that's the (laughs) script of the movie you know, that's the way these characters talk. And one of the things I actually do really love about this whole series, particularly when you get into, get more into it in 2 and 3, three and 4, it's like, if you told me the, the just the general, not just like the, not just like the, like what happens, like, oh, guy's dog gets killed, he wants revenge, now he's on the run from the other, like, criminals but if you were like so it's about this world where everybody is an assassin like everyone in new york city is an assassin and they have like this secret society and they use gold coins and they stay at this assassin's hotel and they're all controlled by like this mysterious assassin uh league that's international and has all these weird like archaic traditions i'd be like this is sounds like this the dumbest like like 13 year old boy boy like is coming up with a comic book idea yeah. ever. And I'd be like, no, thank you. And then it is so good. No, but it, it, it like, you're exactly right though. It like, that's what it connects with. It connects with that time in your life when you were just discovering like thrilling things like this, thrilling ideas and visuals. And it just gives you that stuff. Well, but yeah, but I like, in the, but on the same time, there's a lot of stuff that I maybe like, like thought was really cool when I was 13, like some movie that was like, oh, that movie is fucking sick. That if I watch today, I'm like, that's trash. That's garbage. I can't believe I ever liked it. Yeah. You know, that's that's not the case in this. Now, I will say there's like sometimes like little bits of these movies or things I think are too stylized or a character that I think is really annoying, you know, or I think they're or I think they're trying to be too cool at times uh, here and there. But the movies themselves as whole are are rad. Yeah, and you're right. There's lots of stuff about these move this entire series that will not remain timeless. It will right. eventually like look corny or silly or go out of style. Like it will not always be like cutting edge. Right. right. Like the neon and uh even some of the fight like styling. Like some of the gunplay and stuff will eventually that will like stop being as innovative and as exciting as it is now. I'm not I'm not so sure about the the gunplay and stuff like that. I think, I think there will obviously it won't be as looked at as as eventually as innovative as it is now. But like styles change, and you know what's popular at the moment changes. I think that stuff though, like, will kind of maintain as being like, oh, this is this is a the action itself is a really good action. It's probably more like some of the like stuff that's portrayed as being really hip that will fall out of f- f- uh, favor. You know, some of the you know extreme coolness. 
Um, it might look corny in retrospect, but... Well, I think John John Wick 4 especially, too, like, with the needle drops, like, the music choices and that... Yeah. Uh, the, the Warriors reference mm-hmm. in the, like, the third act. Uh, I don't think that... I know lots of folks really like that and are excited by it, but I don't think that's going to stand the test of time, really. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. But that's okay. If it's if it's cool now, then it's cool now. Whatever. Right. I didn't think it was cool now, but <laughs> I'm just one man. Another thing that I mean, this is not saying anything that no one else has said about this movie, but I love yeah, spoilers ahead. By the way. Oh yeah, this we're just going to start. This is a brand new getting... movie, and there's yeah. kind of some big stuff in this. So. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at the box office, everybody has seen this movie. And if you haven't, (laughs) if you haven't seen this movie, this is what I will say about this. You know, even though I'm saying it's not my favorite John Wick movie, I still think three is my favorite. This is the one, though, you unquestionably have to see in a theater. Like this is a theater movie, even though like those opening shots of him. uh, Like training and punching the board (laughs) where it's just a close up of his fist hitting a bloody board. Like seeing that in a on a big screen where his fist is taking up the entire screen, and it's so the the sound of the impact is so loud. That's not going to translate uh, precisely to home to a home viewing experience. No. You know, like, especially if you watch it like in the middle of the afternoon in broad daylight, whatever. Like yeah, like do yourself to, a favor. This is going to be this is the one to see there, you know, in a theater. And even the the next sequence, right? This is right at the beginning. The movie opens with John Wick training, and he's punching a board till his fists are bloody, because he, you know, he's getting ready for his ultimate revenge. Right? This is the closing uh, act. Yeah. Uh, but the the absolute next scene is him galloping through the Saharan desert on a fucking horse, shooting at people all who are also on horses. It's like Lawrence of Arabia. It looks. It, it's. It is Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. I mean, like the, the he's scope wearing of a it. Gump, the black suit in the middle of the goddamn desert. yeah. <laughs> it's like the so scope hot. of this movie is truly epic, and that is something like, regardless of, you know, like where it fits in the overall rankings of the John Wicks, this is like a massive movie, and it, it's it's long. And I've talked a lot lately about how, like, why are some of these movies it's, don't need to be this long, you know? And it's like, and it's been driving me nuts. You know, it's kind of the reverse of, like, as you in the 90s and early 2000s, you'd always hear about directors, you know, and studios making them, forcing them to cut down their movies. And you go, like, oh, why won't they just let them tell the stories the way they need to be told? And now, when it seems like there's a little bit more freedom to go longer, you know, because a lot of movies, you know, they're banking on them being like watched on streaming and like people will, you know, watch them in chunks. So it's okay for them to be longer. Uh, A lot of movies feel bloated and feels, they feel masturbatory in the way that the director can't cut their darlings, you know, I don't really think that's the case in this movie, you know, because this movie is like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to be this long. It's going to be a true Epic, you know? And yeah, the if you just look at the storyline, the storyline could be shorter, but we're not getting more just, we're not getting, I mean, there's a lot of exposition in all these movies, but we're not just getting extra exposition. This movie is long because it has these massive set pieces that are thrilling and most of them deserve the amount of time that they, that they get. Most of them. 
Yes, I have a couple issues. I yes. still think there's a few uh, sort of generic goon fights mm-hmm. where it's just John Wick battling, you know, uh, foot soldiers uh, yeah. and kind of just uh, showing off. I think those could have been trimmed down. I think the the big kind of Arc de Triomphe sequence was as long as it needed to be. I think you could have cut some some bullshit from the the staircase scene. Yeah. I know why they wanted to keep it long, but I still think it, it would have worked just as well if they would have trimmed it down. I think if you if you if you te- if the stuff leading up to the staircase scene had been a little bit shorter, the staircase scene at that point would have seemed uh a little bit more appropriate that it was that long. Yeah. You know, I think this I think my biggest criticism of the entire movie which plays into like this whole you know third act set piece set pieces before they get to the final showdown is that in all the John Wick movies I mean he's pretty much like indestructible but in this one he is like like completely indestructible but you yeah know? there's definitely a few like oh re- come on really like moments yeah. It's just too where it just gets too much and it gets too bloated and he's he's dodging so many bullets that it kind of loses some of the tension. And just you know? by he's just putting his jacket over his face. <laughs> yeah, and that's like okay, like that was the thing. It's like in the other ones, like there's ones where he gets scenes where he gets captured or he's fighting two guys and he's getting the shit kicked out of him a lot more often, you know. And it adds, you know, even though you know he's not going to die, it adds more stakes to the game, you know. Yeah. And in the second one where they introduce that, you know, those, the suits that have like, they say it's like, oh, it's this new, brand new, like technology that Kevlar is sewn directly into your suit jacket, right? But they specifically say, it's like, it'll stop the bullet, but it's going to hurt a lot, you know? Yeah. And when he gets shot, like it, there's impact and force. Now they're just like shoot, getting, shooting each other willy nilly, holding up, throwing up their sleeves of their jacket and like bullets are just flying off them. And it's like, okay, well, what does it matter? Yeah. What does it matter if you're getting shot if you're completely indestructible? Yeah, or getting hit by several cars or falling, you know, five stories off a building repeatedly right. in the span Which, of like, like 48 hours. Exactly. Like I can I can buy like, oh, he got hit by a car and like, you know, like, oh, he got lucky. He hit him just right and he got up and walked away. But then if it happens again 10 seconds later, it's like, okay, well, something should be broken at least. Yeah. Um, I think that is without question this movie's biggest flaw, and it, it's what keeps it from being the absolute best John Wick, in my opinion. Sure, like that motorcycle uh, fight from John Chase fight from John Wick Three. That's better than any car chase in this one, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. I mean, I wouldn't say it's simple, but it's a lot more like visceral and close up and. It's shorter and goes the exact length it needs to be. Well, it's also know? more about the chase, right? Versus the the sort of gimmick, right? The gimmick right. here with the Arc de Triomphe thing is uh, it's just chaotic. Yeah, and you're in this big roundabout, so the cars just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. Like they don't know that that there's they can't see that what's happening and you know around the corner, so they're not going to stop or turn around or anything. Yeah. Um, which is a fun idea, but yeah, like you said, it's just a little too long. Also too unrealistic, because as soon yeah. as people see a car wreck or hear gunfire, they're not going to just keep driving, and then there's going to be a big right. traffic jam and whatever. But 
I'm willing to yeah. suspend my disbelief on that just because, like, they did something. They achieved something with that. Oh, absolutely. And I think it would be fun to watch this movie again because, like I said, like, I left it being like, okay, that was really good, but I have these issues with it. On a second view, and I may not even care about any of that stuff. Yeah. My only major gripe with it is that John Wick, by this point, has ceased to be the most interesting character in the world. He is now just, he's just this guy who can't let this thing go, and he's right. going to see it to its conclusion, and that's fine. And I think they actually do a good job, though, too, of, one, I think this one this movie does have the best villain. We get the most interesting villain of the series, or at least the most fun villain of the series. So that means we can, John Wick can kind of step aside a little bit. Donnie Yen's character is awesome. So now it's almost like John Wick, the character, is servicing the world and everything happening around him so much as it being about less it's being less about him, you know? Yeah, he's there and, just as a catalyst to these other yeah. characters. And it, and honestly at this point in the in the in the in the storyline, Donnie Yen's character has far much more at stake than John Wick does, you know? Uh John Wick is now just kind of like trying to not die for some reason. Yeah, you're also starting to wonder if, like, if this has all been worth it. Like, some of the other characters even, like, question him. It's like, how how far are you willing to take this? Like, when yeah. does it stop? And it's, well, it's like, yeah, like, when does it stop? Everybody, everyone who's, like, you know, still a friend of his or anything that he goes to for, like, aid or help ends up getting murdered, you know? So it's like, what? Yeah, what is, what is the extent or point? Uh, whereas Donnie Yen's character is his old friend, uh, who is kind of being forced to uh, hunt him down uh, at the threat of his Donnie Yen's daughter being being killed. Like so, the 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 table is leveraging that against him, you know. And she so plays in, the violin. Yes, you know. Can you imagine uh, the the loss we would all experience? <laughs> it would be it would be tragic for the world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he has far more at stake in this, at this point in the story. So it, I mean, and if we, you know, like, yeah, all spoilers, like we already, we already said that by the end of the movie, basically John Wick is servicing and making sacrifices for Donnie Yen, right? His character of Kane. You know who the number one most interesting and best side character is in this entire movie you who's that I, I i'll give you one guess um let me see clancy brown no but when he fucking showed up with scars on his face missing a finger and wearing a funny hat i was like yes yeah i like my i did that like <gasps> like excited like what's he doing here oh i know i know who you're i know who you're who you're gonna say you're going to say Killa, played by Scott Atkins. Scott Atkins, under a bunch of makeup and some gold teeth with a funny haircut and a German accent, playing cards and wearing a purple suit. He knocked that shit out of the park and was the most entertaining. And not only was he just like a sub-boss and a goon, he got a legitimately good fight scene with Keanu yes. Reeves. I think this is one of the things. I mean, I haven't seen a 
a lot of the stuff he's in because he has been in a lot of kind of like he's a legendary stuntman and action performer. Well, his movies are like B tier. Yes, yeah. most of his movies are B tier. This is unquestionably like the best role I've seen him in, and I think it utilizes him very well because I don't like he's very handsome and he's very charming. I don't really think he's a leading man. Yeah, though you know he just doesn't have. He's missing something. Like on paper, it makes sense that he would be the star of your movie. Yeah, but he's not. He's a villain. He's a villain. He's a good. He's like he's the he's the heavy. And in this situation, he's very good as a you know a semi comedic character. But he's also just like a complete lunatic. Yeah. You know this is a weird guy, and yeah, he this utilized him perfectly. And uh, I was at first. I was kind of an, uh, somewhat annoyed, you know, because he's in the big, like, he's in a big suit to make him look overweight. Sure. And it was almost like this this gag of, like, oh, look at this fat guy doing martial arts, which I thought was kind of, like, not only just kind of, like, a played-out joke, you know, like, it's like, oh, it's like Fat Bastard from Austin Powers. But at this point, it's like, we like, we really shouldn't be making jokes like that. But as the scene went along... I didn't really get that vibe as much from it anymore. And I also was listening to an interview with the director. And originally, he wanted uh, Sammo Hung for yeah. that Yeah. And he, Sammo Hung wasn't available. So he's like, okay, well, I'll just put Scott Atkins in the suit so he's the same size as Sammo Hung. And that's you sort know? of how I took it, right? Like, in my head, I was like, look at all these martial arts guys. This isn't like, this is kind of a funny gag. But they're not like doing this just for sh- like a spoof thing. They're like, this is a reference to uh, right. like uh, uh, Kill Zone or like right. you know any other like Samo movie where he's like blowing people's minds with his level of martial arts. And I mean, and Samo himself as a, as a performer, director, writer, you know, he did it, did it all. He was very aware that like part of the. Uh, gag and i don't mean gag necessarily as in a haha gag but it's like get a load of this was that he knew audiences weren't expecting him to be as fast and agile right you know it's what I mean, set him apart from his contemporaries even by the time he was famous you know you present a character on screen you know sammo's like an incredible martial artist but you present a character on screen and you don't know anything about the character, so it's still surprising when a character does this things when he doesn't necessarily appear outwardly athletic and it in it subverts expectations. Yeah, that was almost so the I think whole that's, purpose of his TV show in the nineties, right? Yeah, that was like the whole the whole enchilada. So yeah, like when I first saw when I first saw this the free scene start started because I knew Scott Atkins was in the movie. I had no idea who he was playing. That character comes on screen. I, it took me like a minute or so to clock it as Scott Atkins. And then when I clocked it, I was just like, oh, this is kind of lame. They're just like trying to make a fat joke. And then, but yeah, as the scene went along, I was like, oh no, that's not what they're doing. When he was like vicious and like formidable in the fights. And he like, you know, it starts off with him getting shot in the ass and like everyone getting a laugh. But then he like, once he right. starts fighting back, it gets brutal. And right, you're, it was like, you're wondering if like this is it. Yeah, it was no longer win. a gag. It was us up subverting the expectations. Yeah. And that's 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 why it really worked for me. Um and also that like that poker scene was really cool. Yeah. 
I mean, five, it was just five like, card draw. Is that yeah. is that a poker game? I, I'm not a cards guy. Yes, yeah, so they were playing poker. Oh, okay. Um, the one thing that I thought was kind of weird was like Donnie, like Donnie Yen's character is blind, obviously, and he knows what cards he has. Well, I would say eyeless. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call him blind. Right. I mean, he's very like aware. You know, he's like. He comes from a long tradition of blind martial artists and blind swordsmen that we can talk more about in a moment. But one thing I do like about his portrayal in this is even though he is like so in tuned and can tell when like someone's punching at him, when it's just something stationary, he has to feel around for it. You right. know, he just doesn't know where everything is. And um, I kind of thought it would have been like a funnier get, like a funnier bit if instead of like him some intuitively knowing the hand of cards he had if he just threw out a bunch of nonsense cards and was like i don't know what do i have oh yeah he's got like the like the uh directions card and like yeah you know what i mean yes exactly like the jokers and just some bullshit right yeah that would have been to me like that would have been a uh a better a better tidbit to that scene but whatever i mean that's just such a minor minor thing in it yeah i mean there there's always with those types of characters there is sort of like a leap of like sort of magical kind of ethereal like quality to it right it's never just like completely based in reality you got to give oh it no some, i mean a little like, bit of silliness it, i mean in no way in no way are any of these movies based in reality and in no way is any of these like blind masters of martial arts or swordsmanship remotely real you know what i mean yeah. and it's like you just are completely suspending your disbelief into like kind of this mythological fantasy character, but it's all about execution. And I think this movie executes the blind fighter as best as you could ever do. You know, did you want to talk more about Scott Adkins or you just want to go straight into Johnny, Johnny Yen? Oh yeah. Scott Adkins is uh fucking sick and it makes me want to watch more of his movies and see if there's anything I missed because he really like leans into this and has a ton of fun under all that makeup and he gets to show off his martial arts and hopefully that leads to more uh, really cool stuff for him. Cause he was severely underutilized in the expendables and uh, I think he, you know, there's a, a definitely a high level of success that should be in the cards for him. Agreed. Yeah, he's really he's really good. And like I said, like I think maybe some some of his, you know, why he hasn't really moved up is because they there was a period where he was trying they were trying to like market him as a leading man in these more like kind of like B tier, you know, direct to VOD movies, and yeah. he couldn't really break out of it in that context. But in roles like this, yeah, who's that guy really, we like? That uh, yeah. Captain Boomerang. Who's that? Yeah, that's a uh, that's Jai Courtney plays that guy. Yeah, who's you know duller than toast in just about everything he does, and all of a sudden he gets a wacky mustache and a funny hat, and yeah. he comes to life. Right? Oh, he was like he was like the like the literal like worst in everything, and I was just like, why are they trying to make this guy like? A leading guy, and I get it. Like he's very, Jai Courtney is very handsome. He's buff. He looks like a leading guy, but he's not. He just doesn't. There's something he just lacking. He just shows up, and it's you're like, nope, don't buy it. Captain, who's the old like? Not only was he the best part of Suicide Squad, he was like the good part about it. Right. And yeah, I, and funny like you you haven't seen him much since then, so 
I don't know. It's not even like, oh, we're going to get more of this guy He's doing this type of thing. He's just coasting on that DC money, baby. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, I think that hopefully that's something that happens with uh, Scott Atkins. They go like in this role, uh, which I think he's got he's got him like some pretty good attention for it. You know, like people have been really commenting that what a fun scene that is with him and how how wacky he it, it, how wacky he portrays the character and whatnot. Maybe that'll give him some more fun fun roles. Yeah. Uh, but Donnie, yeah, Donnie Yen, internationally renowned martial arts superstar donnie yen i'm gonna tell yeah. you something elliot i there is a moment in this i don't know what happened but i started to like tear up a little bit watching him because mm-hmm. i was just looking back at like all the stuff that i've enjoyed him in and seeing him like make his way over to american action films it has been such a pleasure to watch him work he is like really incredible Yes. In everything he does. Oh, he is the, like the absolute man. Absolutely. And the way he's like transitioned into like being able to show like his comedic side is is fantastic. Which is funny cuz you know like his very first movie is oh my god, it's it's a breakdancing like romantic comedy. Yeah. Called uh something called like Odd Couples or something. It's not that it's not Odd Couple, but it's Something along those lines, directed by uh, Wen Wu Ping, and it's a comedy, and he's like probably like eighteen or nineteen in it, uh, and then right, but like right off of that, that he starts transitioning into the, in the line of duty movies and oh, uh, mismatched couples, mismatched couples, yeah. yeah, Tiger Cage movies, yeah, and then Once Upon a China, uh, you know, Iron Monkey starts going down that route. This dude has been doing martial arts in movies for a almost as long as I have been alive. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, like, and he's, like I said, he started young, but he's, like, probably, like, he's got to be, like, 60 now, right? And he is not missing a beat. Like, he's gotten better almost. Yeah, he's 59. 59, it's yeah. insane. It's good to point out that so is Keanu Reeves, you know, Obviously, he's not a martial artist to the level that Donnie Yen is, but this is a very physical role, and he's fucking killing it. And I'm sure all these all these guys got stunt people and stuff and stuff. But there's a lot of things where it's close up. Them, there's no denying it. They are doing the stuff. Oh no! And Donnie Yen has been doing, like you said, he's been doing this his whole life. He is a premier athlete and a master of his craft. And yeah, like you mentioned earlier, in his two biggest American roles, he's blind in both of them, which is kind of funny. And I know that in Rogue One, he was the one who requested that his character be blind. I wonder, in the, in the casting of this, because I'm sure they have like a wish list of casting for all these roles. I bet you they made the blind character first, and then like, okay, who can we get to play it? Here's our top list of picks. And... This is like, like you said, there's like this long tradition of like in martial arts movies and samurai movies of blind, blind martial arts masters and, and swordsmen. I mean, the most famous in terms of swordsmen is Zadoichi, which was a whole film series from the 60s into the 80s in Japan. Uh, I think this is like a, out of the movies like that, of that ilk that I've seen, this is a high watermark for blind sword fighters. 
That's a bold statement when a movie called Blind Fury exists starring Rutger Hauer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is was uh, made, like, adapted from an unused Zatoichi script. Right. Yeah, it's all the same story. Are you kidding yeah. me? It's all the one story and everyone's just, like, changing the names. Blind Fury. Man, I was actually watched that for the first time relatively recently. Really? Well, the thing was, like, I remember... Like, so vividly. Because that movie came out like, 89-ish, right? So I was probably, like, depending on what time of year, I was, like, seven years old, uh, six or seven, depending on what time of year it came out. And I remember the, the, maybe it came out in 1990, so I could have been, like, seven or eight. But I remember the, the trailers and TV spots for that so vividly. And being, like, and that was the first time I think I was introduced to this concept of, like, someone who's blind but still like a badass right and thinking like this is so cool and then it just kind of like disappeared you know i never saw it in the theater don't remember ever like being in the video store and coming across it never saw it on tv and then like one day i was just like oh i kind of was like kind of like thinking about it i was like i remember that movie with rudger hauer blah, blah blah and i was just like watched it probably like three or four years ago and that was the first time i had ever seen it for me it was on tv all the time really okay. and it had that that uh that kid from step by step uh with the the like uh you know cool kid haircut i forget his name the main the kid he's like protecting yeah i don't remember that character at all yeah that kid was on the, the what did they do on friday nights um TGIF. TGIF. Yeah. 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 Step by step was part of that lineup along with family matters and whatever else. And yeah, he was in that and he, he really was like, that's why I feel like this was a kid's movie because they gave you that kid as like your anchor to the, to the story. And, uh, I don't know if it's, Oh, the kid who played JT. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I don't know if that movie is good or bad, but it is extremely watchable. That's for sure. Rutger Hauer is awesome in it, and, you know, they play some of the gags for laughs, obviously, but uh, ultimately... Well, the part where he, like, pets, like, an alligator and says, nice doggy or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But he's, like, that's the thing, is this is a smart guy and a capable guy, and, like, most of the time it's, like, he's just doing that for effect, and uh, it's, uh, it's got some real stakes by the end, and they focus on the relationship between uh, the lonely man and the the kid that needs you know someone to look after him and it's mm-hmm. uh it's kind of sweet it's got a little bit of heart okay i don't i i think having watched it just you know a few years ago as an adult i don't have the same affection for it but i certainly didn't just dis- i definitely didn't dislike it you know yeah but back to donnie yen in terms of execution of his his character i like everything about how he plays uh, a blind sword, fight, sword fighter. His introduction in that kitchen scene, I guess not his introduction, but his the introduction of his skill set. Right. Uh, is fucking awesome. The way he's yes. just sitting in the back, like in the in the dark, eating noodles. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. Oh yeah. And then the like the the motion sensor like doorbell. That was so dingers. cool. Holy shit. Yeah, that was so cool. Um, like, I mean, just his natural speed in general, 
like we see that all the time in, in his movies, but the way he uses the sword, you know, which is, it's a cane sword, you know? Uh, yeah, nothing new or, or sort of innovative about that, but yeah, the way he uses it. Yeah. It's just, it's really remarkable. And also just kind of the way his character kind of progresses throughout the movie and the way everything develops with him and his relationships to other characters, I think has the most like, I mean, these movies aren't really heavy on emotional weight, you know, it's just kind of like every, every, like his wife dying and dog dying is a plot device, you know, all the, usually, usually the things are, are a plot device, but in this one, I think I, I was definitely more invested in the emotional stakes than I was in any other one before, you know? Yeah. You know, they talk a lot about friendship and what being a friend means and all that, like, especially uh, both Kane Donnie Yen's character and then Ian McShane's character have some uh, interesting things to say. Ultimately, though, I would have loved to hear more examples of Kane's friendship with John Wick versus like they're just talking in kind of broad terms about friendships. Right. But there isn't any like we don't get any exposition about like what their deal was and what like, you know, went on and what that was like. So. Yeah, I mean, definitely, like, there's always a thing where it's like, you you know, you hear people talking about storytelling. It's like, shell, show, don't tell, you know? Yeah. But I think the vagueness in this one kind of works because, like, I don't know, what if there was, like, a flashback scene of them on a job or something? That would kind of, like, ruin some of the overall mystique of this. That would have been too much, for sure. You know? Like, Keanu uh, Reeves uh, with, like, a weird haircut and... Right, you know, you know like, had to do some goofy stuff. I think one of the things that works so well about this movie is everything's kind of just in the periphery, you know. Like, what is even in this one? Like, even the more you find out about the table and stuff, and like the way this whole system works, you never see it. You know, you might see a representative of it. You might see one guy from the table, but you still don't like. Still, at this point, we which, never see the actual table. Right, which <laughs> is it a literal table or is it a some kind of a metaphor? I, we don't know. I think it's kind of like you know, like one of those plastic <laughs> folding tables that they have at yeah, uh, from Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, that you get that they put in like VF halls for like you know, uh, church rummage sales. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I like that because I thought in this movie, like I thought there was definitely going to be a point where he's like in front of the table and we finally see the table and they're like, he's, he's being like judged by like these people sitting in these gigantic chairs, you know, 20 feet up in the air, blah, blah, blah. And he's saying, this is what blah, blah, blah is. And this is blah, 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 blah. And that never happens. And I am happy that that never happens. Yeah. I'm glad we can still just wonder. Yeah. I am disappointed, though. I will say that one of my great disappointments of the entire movie, and I had this same uh, problem with that. Remember that Jason Statham movie, Safe? I remember it being a movie. I never watched it. Where he's, like, protecting this little girl, and he's, like, a master. He's good at killing people. I don't know if he's an assassin or whatever his deal was. But he's killing all these people, and then there's a rival assassin who is like this well-dressed guy with glasses and he sort of looks like a, he would work at a bank or something, Mm -hmm. but they spend the entire movie setting up the relationship between the two as like perfect rivals. And maybe this is the only guy who can 
take down Jason Statham is on that level. Like he's such a dangerous threat and they do a really good job of building it. And there's all these near misses uh, and almost showdowns. And then at the very end, they get to it and it's like a one second like thing and it's over. And it's kind of a fun like subversion, but it's also like disappointing because you're like, man, I really wanted to see those like guys go at it. Right. And even though they didn't, they didn't really quite tease it until about halfway through, but I wanted so badly to see Bill Skarsgård do something with Keanu Reeves, like a fight scene or a gunfight or something. Just that to was see kind it. Of... Just right. to see Bill Skarsgård, like a super tall, lanky guy, like throwing kicks or like just doing something. So while I agree with you that it would be cool to see Bill Skarsgård do something like that in a movie like in one of these movies. I don't think it would have worked in the context of this this particular story and the, the the way his character operates in this movie. And I also think it's kind of cool that, you know, we've had all these like bigger final showdowns in the John Wick movies. Like in the first one, he actually he does fight the like fist fights the 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 Russian uh, guy who's the dad of Alfie Allen, right? right? And that fight didn't really like ring true to me because at no point do I feel like that guy's a badass. Yeah, you know, or, nor do they play the thing where it's like he's not he doesn't look like a badass, but like he's so badass that it's like comes out of the blue and you're like, wow, this guy's actually really tough. It's just kind of like they have a fight and John Wick isn't beating him up instantly for some reason. And then in the second one, like there's that character whose name I can't remember, Santiago, I think. And you know that they're never going to have an actual fight, but there are, but he has like a lot of fights with other characters leading up to that and has, you know, kind of the final showdown with Ruby Rose. Is that her name? Yeah. So she is the heavy of, of the movie, you know, um, same in, uh, John Wick three. It's like, Mark Dacascas, like that's that's the final showdown character. In this one, I like that there isn't quite that final showdown character because we're leading up to it being with Donnie Yen, and then they do something totally different that they haven't done, which is the like basically like sh- like you know old west shootout, you know the gun duel. So it's like one we haven't seen before, something we haven't seen before in this movie. And it's also a nod to another type of classic action movie, which are these spaghetti westerns that the whole series has has the DNA of, even if it's not like hasn't been a direct reference before this one. You know, I don't recall John Wick ever eating any spaghetti. Oh, it's a... It's, or it's any a very... food for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> It's heavily heavy implied. He walks past science for spaghetti, and he licks his lips. Oh, it said Easter egg. Like it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know what I mean, though. It's like I don't know. Like, yeah, it would have been cool to see him go, like, have this big, like, drawn out, like, elaborate fight with Bill Skarsgård. But I don't think it would have served the story as well, particularly the way Skarsgård eventually ends up, you know, biting it. You know. Yeah, I think the like the stand-in thing is like a perfect sort of like heel move uh i just yeah i just really wanted to see him fight like i love it like just like scott atkins like seeing sort of an unexpected character you know be uh 
you know, strangely competent. Uh, and, and sort of it would be a cool way for him to justify his position, you know, if he was, like, surprisingly, you know, able to overwhelm John Wick from the jump. It's okay, I guess. I'll just have to imagine it in my brain. He should just do, like, one of those, uh, like a really bad, like, get a video of John Wick fighting someone else and do a really bad face replacement with Bill Skarsgård. Uh, why can't someone else do it? I'm sure it exists already. Why do I have to do it? You don't have to do it. You just have to Google it. So in your... In your rankings of John Wick's, where would you put this one? Over what's your overall ranking of the John Wick movies at this point in time? I mean, it's pretty much uh, three, four, and then the, all the rest. Yeah, for me, it would go like yeah, three, four, two, one. Like one is definitely my least favorite. Yeah, it's and it's crazy how like f- how the further we get away from it, like the blander and sort of like. It was essential and, right. it, you know, fresh at the time, but it's like, mm, compared to all these, it's like, it's nothing. It's a day at the, the damn playground. And it's the one that feels like the most out of place from the other ones, because that one I feel like is more or less set in the real world. Like the whole like, uh, it is very You're, simple and like very contained. Yeah. The right? whole it's assassin. like, it's in the the geographic locations and everything like it's yeah. very like john wick is at his house half the fucking time right and the whole assassin bureau while that's alluded to and kind of weird it's not like so over the top at that point yeah that it's like that we're in complete comic book territory yet um it's just kind of like this weird thing that's going on Yeah, just like a quirky aspect of the movie yeah uh and obviously i bet you they had I'm sure at this point even they had more ideas for that. And I'm sure they expanded upon them, you know, as they're developing new stories. But I bet you there's, I'm sure there was budgetary limitations of why they couldn't go full bore into this like weird world, you know, like they couldn't have some of these massive sets of hidden, you know, chamber rooms where secret conductings are going on, you know. Well, yeah, this, this sequel cost a hundred million dollars. The the newest one? Yeah. So it yeah. makes sense why <laughs> they were a little limited on the first one. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like then off the massive success. I mean, this growing each one, they've gotten like exponentially higher budgets to fulfill their, you know, ideas and concepts and visions of this like weirdo assassin world. Uh, so, I mean, like, yeah, in that respect, it kind of makes sense that it's, seems the most removed from the series because just from like budgetary and logistical restrictions, it couldn't really fulfill that idea that the other ones do. Can you tell though, like we have barely said anything like about too many specific scenes or moments. We could, we could be getting into this thing all day. I think we should, we should just uh, real quick touch on the ending and then, I think we'll let everyone decide for themselves. Oh, yeah. Like, you could spend... The reason why we even got into this thing is just because John Wick... This is what's great about John Wick movies, before we talk about the ending, just overall, is that they are a tone and a feeling and a concept more than this person did this and this guy is mad because of that and blah, 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 blah. While those things are important, what you leave with them for is this visual and visceral experience you know 
and that is one of the amazing one of the, I think the set pieces in this in number four the visual look the the whole like Osaka continental yeah. scenes are just so gorgeous and invoke amped up versions of things we've seen in samurai movies and westerns martial arts movies from the past that that whole thing is just it's just it's just it's almost like an art installation you know what i mean yeah you know you and which they which they do it throughout the movie like they go to these john wick 2 one of the biggest like fight scenes happens within an art installation in a museum and that's kind of what these movies look like you know to begin with they could be being projected on walls while you walk down hallways you know with sound systems playing multiple different sound sources overlapping each other and creating these soundscapes i could see that happening you know with by mixing up the sounds and dialogues and special effects and like light shows from these movies you could do something like that and that's what's amazing about them that's why they really excel uh beyond just the basic concept of like man kills dog other man is mad let's kill everybody but the great thing is it's simple enough uh, that that is your hook into the right. into the movie. <laughs> right. So anyone Well, sometimes that's all you need, man, you know. It. It's like Yeah. You know, like sometimes that's all you need. Like a lot of movies like they try really hard to make you care about the characters. And yeah, like his wife is dead and like his dog they kill his dog, you know. And, and that's the the jumping off point, but it actually it is it's integral to the the plot whereas in other stuff you know somebody will be off to go do something like uh i know i think i've talked i think i've used this exact example before but in the movie uh, the shallows which is like the uh gossip actress from gossip girl um what's her name how you know would i know about? you know she's she's uh, she's got the mole on her face and she's blonde do you think that I'm some kind of a Gossip Girl super fan? No, I'm just saying she was like Blake Lively. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, like she's like this surfer who like, you know the plot of this movie, right? The Shallows? Yeah. She's surfing and she gets trapped on a rock. Yeah, stuck on the like rock a, and the shark. And a shark is circling around her, right? That's all you need, right? That's that's the hook of the movie. Yeah. Oh, that's no, what she's trapped on a rock. Right. But when she's, but in the, but in this movie, like, when she's on her way to the beach, her sister calls her and they talk about their mom who recently died of cancer. And it's just a really cheap way to try and get you to care about the character, you know? And then you're, in this sense, you're overdoing plot where you don't need it. Yes, John Wick's wife is dead, which you could say is similar to Blake Lively's character's mom dying of cancer in the sense that we both have these characters that we don't know who have died off screen uh, to connect our themselves to the main character but in john wick it actually services the action and sets off the plot rather than try and add a tapestry to make you care about the plot now that i think about it i don't i'm not on the side of john wick because if he would have just like accepted the way things were and let it go uh we would not be in this mess you know well, that's true. I mean, in, in the same way of like a first blood, right? You know, what does what does Rambo say? He says, "Let it go, let it go." Then yeah. same thing with Frozen, right? That's the whole message. I have not seen Frozen. I so. think we would all do well to follow that philosophy. But I mean, ultimately, yeah, a lot of people who don't need to be dead are dead because 
Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people. I wonder what the full body count for the series is. Probably something absurd. Yes. Probably something unconscionable. Not even not even to mention just kind of like what about just like innocent bystanders who probably got killed in a lot of these scenes? Oh yeah. You know, not I'm not talking about like you know, I'm not talking about the the assassins and I it doesn't matter if they're the good quote unquote good assassins, they're still the assassins, right? You know, they're still killing people for money. But like what about somebody who just like was in a car crash during one of the chase scenes and or died, even the you know? stray bullets as they're yeah. like moving through the streets or moving right. through different buildings? Yeah. It's not like all these fights take place in a, you know, unoccupied sewer. We'd have no movie at all if that was the case. That's right. All right. So what about the ending? The ending. Spoilers. Turn this shit off right now if you don't want to hear a spoiler I mean, for the ending of the movie. you've already heard so many spoilers at this point. Yeah, well, I also, well I going. had it spoiled to me before I saw the movie. Is this what you were talking about? I'll, I'll talk to you about that later. But it, it didn't it didn't ruin the experience for me because it wasn't sort of that big of a revelation. Also, like I said, I wasn't that invested that it really mattered one way or another right. for me. But so it, you're, spe- you're specifically talking about John Wick dying, correct? Yes. yes. The coup de grace, as it were. You know, at first I thought it was kind of like my very like quick initial reaction was like, it's kind of weird since like his whole thing has been like, He's invincible. Just, right. He's like, he's invincible. Not just he's invincible, but it's like him refuses like. He refuses to die. <laughs> he refuses to die. Like, he, he wants to get out. And if he does this final showdown, like, that's the whole point is he challenges Bill Skarsgård's character to single combat. And if he wins, he's out, right? He's, he's, he's done. And then the, Bill Skarsgård forces Donnie Yen to take his place in the showdown. So now it's two friends, you know, shooting at each other. And while Bill Skarsgård is ultimately defeated, John Wick also dies from a mortal wound that he received earlier in the in the showdown. And I thought it was kind of funny because it's like, in my my initial gut reactions, because it's like, well, the whole thing is about him like getting out, and like he's getting out, but he's dead. But he so he could have just been like, let them kill him at any point, but. That really wasn't the, what, what happened. John Wick chooses to get Donnie Yen out. Because Donnie Yen has Reasons multiple things to, to live. Right. Well, that's even like, you know, like, and we're, and, and John Wick does not. All, you know, he, so he ought, all he has is a reason to kill. Right. right. So in that respect it worked for me it's also very conclusive to the series even though i bet you could speculate that john wick isn't actually even dead right you know it's de- like unless you see the body you know like sure and even then you know so you see him kind of like slump over but he's at that point he has co- he's been shot several times and been awake for 48 hours and just been in a million fights like slumping over is just a natural thing yeah, to maybe do he's just ready for a nap <laughs> yeah um, I don't think it could have ended any other way because no. th- he has no reasons to go on. His reasons right. for living have been gone since the start of the movie, right? That's his entire motivation. And there's also there's also a great quote from uh, Kill Bill that I have always loved and always remembered whenever I'm watching action movies for some reason. But Hattori Hanzo says something like... Uh, Revenge is a dense forest. Be careful not to lose your way. 
Right. And but that's invariably that's what happens. And even the point of Kill Bill is the fact that like revenge is not as simple and as satisfying and cathartic as it appears to be. Right. Because what there's always the the, the what happens afterward. Right. And so John some... Wick what happens afterward is nothing. And that's actually something I've always taken kind of issue with even from like day 1 with Kill Bill was the ending is you know when after she kills bill and like leaves with her daughter there's like some little subtitle that says the lioness has returned to her cub and everything is right in the jungle or something and i'm like no like she just killed her daughter's dad and her her daughter adored her dad you know like this is not a happy ending but the movie portrays it as such you know well and that's why I, yeah, a- I don't like that little bit but i do love the bit where she go immediately goes in the bathroom of the yeah. hotel and starts sobbing uncontrollably on the floor yes because that's it right that's it it's like it's over this whole thing is finally over but yeah she had to kill her daughter's dad and now like they're expected to go on and it's not going to be easy right and the subtitle ruins the crying because yeah, it's super it ch- corny because not only does it not only does it does it ruin the whole concept of like your revenge is not is you're left with nothing and etc and blah 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 but it like it changes the context of the crime because you could your initial read of the crime could be like oh yeah like look at all these horrible things i've had to done and now here i am with this and this is not going to be that simple but if you but with that subtitle it turns it to a happy cry a cry of relief yeah you know it ruined it really it kind of in a lot of ways it those are still enjoyable movies, but it ruins a lot of the of what they're about for me. Yeah, you know? it definitely uh, diminishes the the power of the scene that just happened right before it. <laughs> yeah, it's very bizarre. <laughs> Too bad, but yeah, I think this is the only logical conclusion because he's he's not going to stop, and uh, there's nothing for him after. Like, there's there, it's very simple uh, choices here, and also like it does. The, the the semi, I mean, it's the semi-open-endedness of it. Like, you see a tombstone that says John Wick, right? You see people paying their respects to his tombstone. Um, there, the, but there is the semi-open-endedness, like, since you don't actually see the last gasp of breath leave John Wick's body, that sure. he's still alive, right? It leaves it open in a good way, because... Obviously, these movies are monster hits, and they're going to want to make more. But it makes a final conclusion to this movie, and it ends in a, a way that's satisfying and appropriate. Rather than just trying to keep stringing it along and stringing it along and stringing it along. If you end up with a good idea for a sequel that makes sense, now you have an avenue back in. Well, and we know there's a spinoff coming, right? There's a, a movie called Ballerina coming, starring Ana de Armas. And, and that's going, and I think that's going to take place prior to like all the John Wick oh. events. So I think I think that Keanu Reeves is going to at least have a cameo in that movie or something. Well, I was thinking that this character was going to be his secret daughter that nobody knew about, and then he was going to show up like in a wheelchair or something. Like oh, that. I mean that could also be too. I'm just assuming that it was. I'm I'm making a very broad assumption. No, but since, I think you're probably pretty. Since pretty spot we know on. he's in the cast. I assume it's in a flashback scene or the movie takes place behind. Because if it was like, oh, John Wick is still alive and he's in a wheelchair, they would keep that 
that they would keep his appearance in there under wraps. Um, there are multiple setups, I don't think, for other ex- expanded world uh, characters from from this movie. Um, Donnie Yen's character, obviously, there's a little post. Did you did you watch the post credit scene? Indeed, I did. So there's a little setup there that there could be something going on in the further adventures of him. And I make his character so big, it almost seems natural that we could have a story revolving around him, which I would, I'd frankly rather see that than another John Wick movie at this point. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. And even Akira, also... uh, the, the, the daughter of the uh, hotel manager mm-hmm. in Tokyo was awesome. And they yes. like, they fleshed out like a, a cool little revenge story right there. Right. So there's plenty of stuff there. The, uh, the Mr. Nobody character, it does seem like they're trying to like set something up with him possibly. He's interesting to me for a lot of reasons. I felt like that uh, that actor's performance was a little like uh, they're trying to do like an understated and nonchalant delivery, but it felt like a line reading in a lot of ways to me. But I still, I mm-hmm. kind of like that actor and I think that character is like I was really into like the fact that it was an assassin from this world but like a totally different type like more of like a nomad like you know man on the road type versus like these high-end like uh you know everybody's wearing a suit you know traveling first class like spending lots of money etc yeah i liked his character a lot and i thought it was well that's because that's how you dress you have like the same hat and jacket combination (laughs) well i mean that that certainly didn't 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 hurt. I'm more of a cat guy than a dog guy. Right. You know, he's clearly a dog guy. You would have so a cat. I'd have a cat. See, that's something like you never see in these movies. Like these characters, like that. These nomad characters, they always have like these dogs. Like Mad Max has got a dog. This guy's got a dog. What if you had a, a cat that did the exact same thing? Well, you know. But cats, like, uh, you know, they get real moody and sort of choose when they want to offer their loyalty they also would like take time out to bathe themselves and yeah do all kinds of goofy stuff you can't trust a cat you can trust well, a see, dog see there you go that there's there's instant comedy right there right he heals he, he tells the dog to attack the dog instantly attacks what if you told the cat to attack and the cat's just like taking its sweet time you know it's like yeah yeah yeah. i'll do it after i finish licking my butt you know yeah or it found a mouse to play with or right exactly yeah brilliant Anyway, I don't know. At the same time, like you have all these things set up. We know we're getting the the Anna de Armas like extended universe movie ballerina. There's going to be that prequel TV show about the Continental and Winston in the 70s. Oh, you know? no. Yeah. Let's not so, do that. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing that, you know, and I, I do feel like potentially like you could wear out your welcome very, very quickly because we're watching that happen with uh marvel and star wars yeah dc i mean dc did it like almost instantly you know uh not to say they're like there's still not to say there can't still be any good individual movies that come out of that you know uh factory machine but 
like you just stop caring, you know, to to you know pretty quickly when when they start just pumping stuff out for the sake of pumping it out. Yeah, and I get it, right? It's a business at the end of the day. Like if they have a hot property, they're gonna wring every last dollar out of it, and there's very little we can do about that because we are the ones responsible in the first place, right? By going right. to see this shit and paying our money, uh, we're endorsing it, and so we have no one to blame but ourselves. And we can also choose whether or not we consume this additional, you know, media. So Right. What can you do? What can you do? Well, you can uh, go see this one and not other ones. I don't know. Yeah. Or go, go see them all. Who cares? Go see every single movie released. Yeah, go to the movies. It's a lot of fun. And, yeah. And... Uh, in fact, join us at the movies on Sunday, April 16th, when we screen Alien Resurrection with the Belltown Film Society. Oh, boy. Hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be... So, I, we mentioned last... I think on the last episode, we were talked about how we were going to transition from our vampire series into The Batman, another monster hit uh, that we're going to talk about for some reason. Um, but we, after seeing John Wick, we're like, we got to do this. It's topical. We got to get onto it. So we'll be back next week or two weeks from now to talk about a big hit after a year after the dust has settled on it and look at it like with, uh, that perspective of being a year out now that nobody cares about hearing anything about it. Uh, yeah, that's right. Welcome to the box office hit heap where we're giving financial dynamos a second chance. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. That's going to wrap up our John Wick extravaganza. We'll see you all soon. And Keith, what do you always say? I know a guy who knows a guy who killed a guy. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everybody. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.